Welcome to the Way Ministries Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by the Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior tonight. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for always being there for us, Lord. Not counting our sins against us anymore, Father. Thank you for your unfailing forgiveness that begins afresh every day, Lord. Help us, Lord, to forgive ourselves and to forgive others every day, Lord, and to clean the slate like you clean the slate with us, Lord. I pray you take all the bitterness, the anger, and resentment, and fear out of our hearts tonight, Lord, and fill it with your unconditional love, Lord, so we can get a crystal clear message through your word and by your spirit, Lord. We pray for the people who are sick and suffering who can't be here with us, Lord, as you reassure them. There's always a reason why you do everything, Lord, and it's always to bring us closer to you and to mold us and shape us into the image of your Son. Thank you, Lord. Help us to get better and not bitter when you correct us. We're just grateful that you do because you love us, Lord. Your love is higher than any love we could ever understand, and just thank you for that, Lord, for that unconditional love you give us each and every day, Lord. Help us to move forward, Lord, as we struggle down in this world, Lord, to fight against evil. We pray for our nation that you bring the Bible back to the White House, Lord, and the principles back to our nation, Lord. Please keep your hand over it for the sake of your believers so we can bring others into your kingdom before your return, Lord. Pray for the nation Israel, Lord, that you restore that country and that they accept Jesus as the Messiah so we can get back on the throne, Lord. And we're just grateful for that, Father. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit tonight and not my flesh. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord.
How's everybody doing tonight, all right? What a beautiful song that was, huh? What a beautiful voice. We got a lot of gifts and talent here. Thank you, Jesus. One body? Many parts. Many parts. All of us have a part in this. To glorify God. Okay. Everybody have a... Hope everybody had a great holiday, Christmas. It was nice. Celebrate the birth of our Savior. Get with family and friends and try to put into practice everything we learn here yeah. with our families. And that's definitely a big test there. Amen. It's an awesome time to shine the light of Jesus yeah. onto our family, even the ones that might be Christians that are wayward, that are struggling and not following Jesus. All right, let's start in Isaiah 26 tonight. We are going to continue our study. Feels like we haven't been here for a month, huh? So Monday wasn't there. Now I know how much I miss it when it's not there, right? Yeah, wow. All right, we got verse 3. Let's see here. Back up to uh, 2. All right, as always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into these scriptures. So try to clear your mind and prepare your hearts to receive the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Okay. Let's go here. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. There's a promise right there. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So trusting him is one thing, but fixing our thoughts on all the things of heaven is not an easy thing to do because the problems of the world tend to circulate in our mind even when we're praying. So to fix our thoughts on that takes a lot of what? Self-control. To say, listen, I'm going to think about where my new home is going to be, not this one. This is a living hell down here. Now look what it says in verse 4. Trust in the Lord when I feel like it. Oh, that's not in there. It says always. Now that's something that we have to grow into. Nobody can sit here and say, I honestly trust in the Lord, trust the Lord in everything in my life. That's something we have to what? We mature and we grow into. As we get to know him better and better, we start to follow him more and more, and we start to trust him more and more. It doesn't happen overnight. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He humbles the proud and brings down the arrogant city. He brings it down to dust. The poor and oppressed trample it underfoot. And the needy walk all over it. But those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right. And you smooth out the path ahead of them. He's trying to say here, those who are righteous, people who are living right, this is not a hard way to walk. See, when you're walking in the will of God, this isn't hard for us because our spirit wants to walk in it. But when you're in your flesh, it's a very hard walk. 
Your flesh does not want to walk in the ways of God. So that's why it's not steep and rough. It's only steep and rough when you're trying to do this in the flesh. In the spirit, God always what? Lays out a path. Look what it says. You have a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead of them. Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws. We show our trust. How do you show you trust God? By obeying the word of God and doing what it says. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. Now, that's another question. Is your heart's desire to glorify God in his name or glorify you in your ways? Good question there. In the night I search for you, in the morning I earnestly seek you. For only when you come to judge the earth will people learn what is right. <laughs> See what it says there? For only when you come to judge the earth will people learn what is right. So when we go out there, people are not going to learn what is right until Jesus comes back. So there's no use in trying to fix all that because you can't. It's unfixable. The only one who can fix that is Jesus. The only, the, what we're to concentrate on is fixing ourselves and getting right with the Lord and being ready when he does return. So when he does come back, we're, we're, we're all... Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been living for me, waiting for my return. I got any men here. Instead of focusing on what other people are doing, what's focusing on what's going on in the world, all this other craziness, it's to focus on what? Becoming like Jesus. That's the whole goal of being a Christian. Your kindness to the wicked does not make them do good. That is a fact. Where's Alexander? That's a fact. does not make them do good. As a matter of fact, God's kindness makes wicked people more wicked because they get away with things and they keep doing it. Now look what it says. Although others do right, the wicked keep doing wrong and take no notice of the Lord's majesty. O Lord, they pay no attention to your upraised fist. Show them your eagerness to defend your people then they will be ashamed. Let your fire consume your enemies. Lord, you will grant us peace. All we have accomplished is really from you. See it, verse 12? Everything that you've accomplished from when you were born to right now is really from him. Everything. Now, how many people try to take credit for their education and all they're doing and their job and all their, their, their success down here? Every, anything that's successful down here comes from him. Everything. That's why when we glorify him, he rewards us for that. Oh, Lord, our God, others have ruled us. But you alone are the one we worship. Those we serve before are dead and gone. Their departed spirits will never return. You attack them and destroy them, and they are long forgotten Lord, you have made our nation great. Yes, you have made us great. You have extended our borders, and we give you the glory. Who makes this nation great? God made this nation great. And people are trying to take God out of here. Are they insane? Are people just insane to not understand that God is what made America great? Then to think that we can do this without him? We are going to fail miserably. We're in for a rough ride. 
Thank God for his matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies that he keeps, up, he keeps his hand over our nation. But once he pulls it back, boy, the, the, it's going to be a real, real struggle for Christians to live down here. I get an amen. That's why we have to be ready when it does happen. To stay close as Christians now. Be prepared for what's coming. Because it's coming. The Bible said it was going to come, so why would we think it isn't? It's going to come. This nation is going to suffer persecution, and it's going to start in the church. Because the church is a, well, apostate, and most of the churches today are synagogues of Satan because they're accepting sin into the church. To what? Get the money in. Sin is not to come into the church. Jesus said, I want a pure church, a pure bride. Sin is supposed to stay at the door. The sinner comes in, the sin stays out. And I get an amen. People come in with repentant hearts. You don't come in with the same evil heart and stay here. Can I get a big amen here? Not in this church. We're in Revelations now. It's talking about the churches and what God, how Jesus is judging them for what they're doing. We got to see where our church is. It's always a good thing to look at. All right, let's go into our study. I know we're in 1 Thessalonians 5, but before we go into 5, to, to, to understand what verse 1 is about, we have to go back to 4 and read from um, verse 13 down in the hope of the resurrection. So go to chapter 4, verse 13. And then we're going to go right into 5. This way we'll get a good understanding of what chapter 5 is all about. Which is the last chapter of 1 Thessalonians. And we will be continuing into 2 Thessalonians. If we get there tonight, we'll see. Okay. Look at verse 13. The hope of the resurrection... Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died or to the ones who have fallen asleep. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So we're going to get reunited with all our brothers and sisters. That's awesome. There's a guy, that, this Thessalonians explains it. That's why I'm going back in here. So when we go into um, chapter 5, it tells us more. Now look what it says in verse 15. And we tell you this directly from the Lord. That was a direct revelation to Paul from God. This wasn't taught by any human being. That was right from God to Paul. It says we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died or those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died or the dead in Christ will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up, the rapture, Caught up is the rapture. See, the rapture is not in the Bible. Caught up is, the, the word caught up means rapture. Caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. How about a big amen there? Just imagine, like, if we're in the right time period. All right, we are not going to die. 
we are just going to get transported out of here. Like um, um, Elijah is taken up. Just imagine floating out of here. He said, bye, everybody. I should have, you should have, you should have, you should have listened to me when I told you because there's going to be people left behind. That's the sad part. And once he comes back, it's too late. You can't say, oh, well, wait a minute, one more. Nope. When his day, when the day judgment comes, it comes, it's over. So that's why it's important to try to talk to people and let them really understand what will happen if they don't repent, turn to God, and believe in Jesus. They are not going to be home with him, and they are not coming with us. So we really have to explain to them the real, the seriousness of it. Because people take it lightly, like, oh, no big deal. It's a big deal. It really is. When he comes back, there's no chance for other loved ones to come with us if they don't repent and turn to God. Can I get an amen? It's important for us to tell them the truth. For them to get set free, they have to believe in Jesus, repent from their sins, turn to God, and come to Jesus. Can I get an amen here? If you don't, then they're not coming. Because you know a lot of people say when they die, well, they're in a better place. You don't know that. None of us know they're in a better place. Only God knows the heart. This just people sitting in the pew doesn't mean they're going to heaven. Now, look at says in verse 18. So encourage each other with these words. See, one thing that Christians fail to understand, we, we always tear people down what's wrong with them. We need to encourage each other right now. Even though we make a lot of mistakes, we need to be encouraging. Look, all of us are flawed. Can I get any more? Flawed people. But we need to encourage each other because this walk gets hard and heavy, especially if you serve in ministry. It's really hard to put this all together and do it. We need to build each other up and encourage each other, especially now in this season. We need to encourage one another. Listen, all of us are full of flaws and faults. That's not the problem. The issue is we had to build each other up in the ways of Jesus, like he builds us up. Amen? Jesus isn't looking at my sins anymore. He's looking at my, he's looking at his, he's looking at, I, I'm like the apple of his eye. I'm a masterpiece in his eyes. We need to see our brothers and sisters as masterpieces, no matter what they're doing. If they're wrong, right, whatever. They're still part of God's family. One body with many parts. We need to see what's good. Look, there's a lot of bad out there. We don't need it to bring it into the church. Can I get an amen? To stay humble and teachable and love people unconditionally, especially the ones that run in the front lines. Because the ones in the front lines get the brunt of it. Amen? We need to build them up. All right, let's go to chapter 5. I can tell you a million times when people criticize the pastor, well, he said this, he did this, he did that. Instead of saying, let's pray for him, because he's got to struggle up there to keep things right in here. I, the struggle is, in, in, people do not understand what the struggle is for me. For me to live righteous and do the right thing against my old sin nature, it's 20 times more intense than yours. Just think about your fight, right? Add 20 times to it. And that's what I got to fight every day. Because the devil wants me to what? Fail and fall so I can make the, the flock fail and fall. And start what? Compromising. You see? The churches are in compromise right now because the numbers are dwindling. So they start accepting things to keep the people into the church. But no. 
God keeps the church open, amen? Not money. God keeps it open. You know, we know we need money to survive, but we want quality people in the church, not quantity people. You can fill a coliseum with sinners, and you can fill them with the devil. That they're not really believers, they're just trying to get something out of Jesus. All of us are saved by the grace of God. There's nothing good in any of us. Nothing. So that's why it's so important to build each other up right now. Because the devil's attacking our church. Why is he attacking our church? Because we're doing the right thing here. When I'm re reading the word of God to you, preaching the word of God, living righteous, doing the best we can, praying all the time, the devil hates that. I mean, we just started the new feed on um, YouTube. It came out beautiful. The, um, the bread of life. Get a chance to see it. Pull it up. It's beautiful. And that's going to what? Bring others into the kingdom. Right? Praise the Lord. Is right. But it takes a lot to get that, to make that happen. It takes a lot. So build each other up and encourage each other while it's happening. All right. Now, let's go to verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, what we just read, now, he's going to say, now, verse 1, now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you about this. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. We don't, it's going to, we're not going to, we're not going to know when it's going to happen. You see, if we knew exactly when it was going to happen, we would like, okay, I got this, this much time before I get ready. See, he wants us to get ready before it happens, to be ready when it does, because it's going to happen like a thief in the night. Now listen up before we go on to verse 2. The day of the Lord's return refers to a future time when God will intervene directly and dramatically in world affairs. That's the day of the Lord. Predicted and discussed often in the Old Testament, Isaiah 13, 6 to 12, Joel chapter 2, 28 to 32, Zephaniah 1, 14 to 18, the day of the Lord will include both punishment and blessing. At this time, Christ will judge sin and set up his eternal kingdom. The day of the Lord. Look at verse 3. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. So, what's it going to look like out there before he comes back? Like everything's going good. Peace and security. The nation's safe. Everything's good. It says, everything is peaceful and secure. Then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. Now, I never gave birth, but you women know when the labor pains begin, right? As suddenly as that happens, and look what it says after that. And there will be no escape once that happens. So it, it could happen right now. No escape. Nobody can get out of it. Say, oh, wait a minute. I want to believe right now. Nope. Too late. That's why 
We don't know when it's going to happen. We have to be ready for when it does, though. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm tired down here. Living for the Lord in a sinful world like in this country is hard. Saying no to the flesh when every desire and temptation is out there in America. We are in a land of uh, abundance. Anything you want, you can get in this country. It's not like third world countries where they're, they're waiting for the Lord. They're suffering. There's no water. There's no food. We have everything down here. So we can get really lazy down here because we're being, everything is good. Jesus said that uh, the blessings will become a stumbling block because we can get really lazy because everything's good. Oh, you come back, you come back. If not, it's all good. I'm fed. I get cold. There's people out there that don't know where they're going to eat right now. They don't know if they can wash up. There's no clean water. They're dying for Jesus to come back. We're over here like, oh, whatever, you can come back now or maybe tomorrow. It's all good. I'm going to get up tomorrow and go to work like everybody else. What's the rush? How about an amen? We don't understand that it can come, we can get, Christians get really lazy because there's nothing, there's, everything's met, all our needs are met. But the internal struggle is always there. Always. Because the devil wants us to satisfy our inner struggles with all the stuff the world offers us, right? Food, sex, drugs, gambling, you name it, shopping. You name all the vices that are out there that this nation capitalizes on, right? To make us what? Feel better. See, we're here to kill our flesh, not to keep it alive. So if you don't come to church, if you come to church once a week, you really think... Going out there, your flesh is going to die. There's no way. You're going to be in that Bible like all the time to keep the flesh at bay. Or else we're going to fall to it. All right, now before we move on, when it says how and when this will all happen, refers to the knowledge of what will occur in the future, specifically at the return of Christ. Okay? Efforts to determine the date of Christ's return are foolish. How many people? I see it because I go through the, you know, I look at stuff, YouTube, it comes up. When they think that they know when Jesus is coming back. These predictions and these prophets out there. And people who are ignorant of the Bible, right, they still look at it and they think that it's real. It just says right here, the, the efforts to determine the date of Christ's return are foolish. It's a waste of time. Don't be misled by anyone who claims to know what it is. Here we are told that no one knows and that even believers will be surprised. The Lord will return suddenly and unexpectedly, warns Paul. So what are we going to do? Be prepared. Because no one knows when Jesus will come back to earth, we should be ready at all times. Are Christians ready at all times? Absolutely not. This country is so spoiled, Christians are so spoiled, they're not ready at all times. Because if they were ready at all times, this place would be full, standing room only. They would be getting ready. Right now, they're enjoying life. Instead of what? Dying to it. Can I get any that? That's what's happening. But there are people who are saying, there's nothing out there for me. 
There's nothing out there. Why am I going to go chase after that? Doctor, feel good when I could just come here and feel get my spirit to spiritual growth is priceless. So, because that solves all the problems. The flesh makes more problems and more problems and more problems. And Christians want to do both. They want some of this and some of that. You're on a seesaw. Suppose he would have returned today. Listen to me now. How would, we, how would he find you living? Suppose he would have returned today. How would he find you living? Are you ready to meet him? Live each day prepared to welcome Christ. Now you can ask yourself, how am I, what if he came back right now? Am I living for him? Think about it and say, maybe I'm not. Should I? Absolutely. Because the Spirit is speaking to you right now. Right now the Spirit is speaking to you. Should be, every day you should be getting closer to him. Every day. And less and less in the flesh. That's what, that's what we're supposed to be doing. All right, verse 4. Here we go. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Now, we're not in the dark about these things, but other people are right now. The nation is in the dark about this stuff. They are not getting ready for his return. And neither are a lot of the churches. As a matter of fact, they're accepting the other stuff then. Instead of getting closer to him, they're bringing the flesh into the church. And he says judgment has to start in his house. Now it says, we won't be surprised when it comes like a thief, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. They can't exist. To, darkness and light can't work, exist together. You can't put a light on and live in the dark. Either you shut the light off and go back in the dark, but you can't do both. You see, this is why you see a lot of miserable Christians. You know why? Because they live in the dark and they come into church like they're light. So what do you come out? You come out deformed and miserable. Miserable Christians are because they're living sinful lives and what? Coming to church like they have light. Other than that, if you want joy, Jesus first, other second, self last, this, you're stable in everything. It doesn't matter because you're doing the right thing. It doesn't matter. There's no such thing as penance. You can't make up for what you're doing wrong. Say, so, well, today I had a, a I, I lived like the devil. I'm going to go to church tonight, and, I, and I'm going to just, God's going to be, he's going to erase it because I went to Bible study. Do you think it works like that? No. You can't make it up. I don't know about you, but I drop on my knees every day and say, Lord, please prepare me for this because I'm not ready. I'm not ready. My heart is not perfect. It's not full of, it's not unconditioned. It's not full. There's not enough light in there. There needs to be more light in there. How about you? Oh, well, we're going to sit there and lie and say, I'm full of light. How many of us are still full of anger, letting them control them? How many people are still talking about people? How many people are still what? Finding fault in everybody. Instead of what Jesus did. Right? You can sit in Bible study for 20, 30 years and still have all them character defects. 
and not change one bit. All right, now listen. <laughs> I like First Thessalonians because it tells us how to live. All right, in, for, in verses 4 or 5, which we just read, God has determined that we cannot know exactly when Christ will return. If we knew the precise date, we might be tempted to be lazy in our work for Christ. Worse yet, we might plan to keep sinning and then turn to God right at the end. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is. So imagine if we knew, well, Jesus is coming back next year, January 1st. So, oh, I got a whole, I got a whole year before I'm ready. Mm. Right? That's what, that's what it is. That's why we don't know. Okay, listen. <laughs> yeah, we keep sinning and turn to God right at the end. Heaven should not only be our goal, we have work to do here, including sharing the good news of salvation with as many people as we can and strengthening current believers to remain faithful until the end. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. The world gets heavy on Christians. How many times do you want to walk away? Because it gets so hard. We need to walk. Encourage yourself. Don't, don't. Don't. Just hang in there. Jesus is going to be coming back. He's going to take care of it. Don't let the devil take you back. We need to encourage each other. Now even more as we're growing, the devil is going to attack you more and more. Don't fall into it. Christians must keep on doing God's work until death or until we see the unmistakable return of our Savior. So our work is never finished here. As a matter of fact, I try to take out as much as I can before I might won't be able to like, keep my eyes open anymore. As we try to grow this ministry, unfortunately, there's only a few that are trying to advance it and they bear the weight of all this instead of people coming up and saying, how can I help? What can I do? Unfortunately, it's the people that are already here, the, the few people that are doing it and keeping it alive. When I say one body with many parts, there's many parts, but none of the, all the parts ain't working. There's too much going on, just a few people. We need more people to step up and say, what can I do? Never mind waiting for somebody to ask you. You ask Jesus, what can I do? That's what we need to see in our church. Because that's what crucifies your flesh. When you serve the church and when you serve the Lord, that's what puts our flesh to death. Because we got no time for the flesh. Can I get any men here? But the burden's going on just a few of us to advance the kingdom. There's so many things that everybody can do to help this out so I can get the message across. I'm at midnight studying because there's other things I got to do in the church too. Well, other people could be doing that part. Instead of one body, many parts, we got like three people doing a hundred parts. Should it, should it be, really, should it be? We should have people jumping up here. What can I do? Can I, I want to sacrifice some of my time for Jesus because he sacrificed his life for me. Or is it convenient? You come to church when it's convenient. Can I get an amen or an chair? Because my heart grieves that because all the teaching that I do to give, 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 everybody's just take, take, take and walking out the door. 
I'm saying they hear, they hear, but they really don't hear. Or they find something wrong or make an excuse. I say, okay, Lord, well, it is what it is. I digress, but remember, you're going to have to answer for it. Now look at verse 6. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. How many times does the devil try to make our minds like scrambled eggs? What does he use? Look what it says. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. He puts the booze in there. That's what what keeps our mind cloudy. He puts it right in there. Drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Can I get an amen here? Because when COVID came in, we all remember what became the essential in this nation, in this state, and what, be, what wasn't an essential. The liquor store was stayed open as an essential and they closed the church. What's wrong with that picture? What do people do? They drink and then they go to church. I'm saying, wine and spirits. You think that's the Holy Spirit on that sign? What, do you, what, is it, what, what happens when you drink? You compromise your morals. And it doesn't matter how much you drink, as soon as alcohol enters your body, changes are starting to happen. And you're becoming more and more like who? Satan. Satan. Don't make any mistake about it. A true believer that's growing in the Lord, in my view, shouldn't touch a drop of it if they want to grow. Because it sets you back. Because you can't stay clear-headed. There's no way you can stay clear-headed. Can I get an amen here? Now, does the Bible say it's wrong to drink? No, it says no, but getting drunk is. But when, when is the line crossed? So if you're a true believer that wants to grow, won't touch a drop of it because you know, I don't know when the, li I don't know when the line's crossed. So I'm not going to touch it to find out. How about an amen here? That's how you know. Okay. Now listen, as you, listen, this is like a marathon, right? As you near the end of a long race, your legs ache, your chest burns, your whole body cries out for you, for you to stop. This is the moment when friends and fans are most valuable. Their encouragement helps you push through the pain to the finish line. In the same way, Christians ought to encourage one another. A word of encouragement offered at the right moment can be the difference between finishing well and collapsing along the way. How about a compliment to somebody that's working hard in the church? Thank you. Thank you for putting so much time in. Thank you for sacrificing the time to keep the church open. Would you find more people saying what's wrong than complimenting people that's doing right? It's sad. And you know what? A word of encouragement like that will keep me from fizzling out, will keep anybody in this ministry from fizzling out. A kind word, it doesn't take anything but that. That I'm recognizing your sacrifice and thank you. 
A word of encouragement often at the right moment can be the difference between finishing well and collapsing. Look around you. Be sensitive to others. Need for encouragement and offer supportive words or acts of service. How do you show somebody you love them? By your time and your service. What can I do to help? It's not just a, I love you like an empty word. It's like getting involved in someone's life and helping them. Teaching them through the path of Jesus. Walking alongside of them, encouraging them, especially the ones so-called that don't like you or your enemies, to show love even more. Why aren't Christians doing that? Because they're not taught to do that. They're taught to just gimme, gimme, gimme the blessings of Abraham. I'm going to give 10, I want 100 back. It's almost like investing. And that's what people do. They fleece people. All right, look at verse 9. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Again, he says it. Why does he keep saying that? Because we don't do it enough. That's why he keeps saying it. We don't do it enough. We tear down more than we build up in church. It's a sin and it's wrong. Why do we tear each other down and talk about each other? Is that Jesus? Was that Satan? So I love Jesus, but the devil's coming out of your mouth and you're saying you're worshiping Jesus. Really? Do you really think God's honoring that? Seriously. Jesus says, you'll know my people by their fruit, by their actions. What comes out of your mouth knows if they're truly a believer or not. Paul's final advice. Listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, here it is. Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Did you hear that? Does everybody hear that tonight? Do they? Do you show... Do you show the leadership here great respect and honor? Do you? Or do you what? Tear them up and talk about them when you run the ride home. Let it not be. I don't hear it enough, to be honest with you. I don't hear it enough, we honoring people and seeing everybody doing the hard work in the church. I don't see it. I see people, see you later, out the door. Is that how you honor the leadership? By just bolting and jetting out of here? No, that's real honor. That's real honor. That's what the world does. Love inside the church should be, I'm going to stick around and make sure everything's all right. Do you need someone to lock up? Do you need somebody to walk around the building? Do you need somebody to check things out? Here I am. Use me. I look around. Place is empty. Place is empty. Why? Because I got my fill, he fed me good, thank you, pastor, see you later. It hurts. 
Because you think that the love of God would get inside somebody, so them don't want to what? Give it back. That's painful for a pastor to see it. Do I love you no less? No, but it grieves my heart that it's not penetrating to a lot of people. It's going in here and out there. It's not going in here and into here. It's not going into the heart. Because the heart says no to what's going on out there. And whatever I can do here, I'll do. And if it takes me all night, I don't care. It's not about me. It's about him. Paul's trying to tell us in Thessalonians how to do it right. Now, tomorrow's a new day. You say, you know what? I'm going to start doing things right. I'm going to start asking if they need help, if they need somebody to just look around, make sure everything's okay, before I go on my merry way with my own business. Is that how you love Jesus? It's sad, especially the people that are here all the time. Gone. I'm like, hmm, there's a heart problem. There's a heart problem. Looking for excuses to get out of here. We need what? Support and love. The church, this church shows nothing but love. We give out love. We give out support. We go online. We feed you with the word. Every day I... Sacrifice a year to read the Bible to you so you got yourself fed. That's what sacrifice, that's what love is. It sacrifices time for the benefit of others. Are you doing that? Are you sacrificing your time for the benefit of others or are you keeping your time to yourself? Time is growing short here. I want to see some love in this church. I want to see it in action, not just words. Action is, Pastor, what can I do? I'm willing to stay. What can I do, Pastor? I don't care that. I gotta go ask somebody. They don't come up to me. If I don't ask, the heart of Jesus will be, Pastor, what can I do to help you? I know you work full time. I know you do all this. I know you're here all day Saturday, sometimes five or six o'clock to get things straight around here. Is there something I can do to help you? Ease the burden. Oh, my spirit's with you. That hurts. It hurts. Because I show nothing but love to everybody here. Paul said it. The more I love you, the more you hate me, Paul said to the Corinthians. The more he showed his love for them, the more they criticized and hated him. Now I know the feeling. I know what he's going through. I see it. It brings tears to my eyes to see nobody wants to sacrifice. I mean, what, what did Paul said in the Bible, I will not offer anything to God that doesn't cost me something. It doesn't come out of convenience. He comes in and it hurts when something that I wanted to do so bad, I said no to, for Jesus and his house. That sacrifice, that's spiritual growth. Spiritual growth isn't just studying the word of God. It's actually becoming the word of God. Listen. Express your appreciation for them. Tell them how you have been helped 
by their leadership and teaching and thank them for their ministry in your life. If you say nothing, how will they know? Remember, they need and will cherish your support and love. All of us. Look at verse 14. Here we go. I just did this. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to, always, to, and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. What gives you joy? You know, you want God's joy? The only way you're going to have joy is putting Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And then you'll have joy. And the peace that passes all understanding. Everybody's going to get their affairs in order first. And why God's house struggles, my house flourishes. Remember back in the Old Testament? So you guys are building all your homes, and my, and my temple lies in ruin. That's what he was telling them. My house comes first, and then maybe God's, if I got a few extra minutes, maybe I'll just throw an extra mo some money in the basket to help pay for something. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to use that money, and I'm going to use it, and I'm going to work with it, and do what I can. Help the church. This church especially, because so much truth is going out there, it should be flooded with people doing work for God. Flooded. Because there's going to be no excuse when you're going to stand before him. Trust me. Now listen. God commands us to never stop praying. To spend all our time on our knees would be impossible, but we can have a prayerful attitude at all times, regardless of our posture or the place. Such an attitude is built upon acknowledging our dependence on God, realizing his presence within us, and determining to obey him fully. Then we will find it natural to pray frequent, spontaneous, short prayers. Regular times of prayers will lead to God's transforming power in our lives. A prayerful attitude is not a substitute for regular times of prayer, but should be an outgrowth of those times. Have you ever grown tired of praying for something or someone? Have you? I'm tired of praying. I kept getting no answers. I'm going to stop. The Bible says, never stop praying. I'm going to stop is your principle. God's principle is never stop. See how we mix it? Well, we mix the Bible. Have it your way. This isn't Burger King. No, it isn't. This isn't Burger King. It's have it God's way. Keep your mouth shut, keep your flesh at bay, and do work for Jesus. That's how you overcome your flesh. If you keep feeding it, it's always going to take over and win. How do you think I keep my flesh at bay? By being here serving God. People know that. That's what keeps me from doing evil. Doing good for the Lord and being in his house, doing things for him, keeps my flesh at bay. What's keeping your flesh at bay when you're not here? A 
Idle hands are the devil's playground. You know it as well as I do. Listen, God always hears us and always answers. He's a, he's a, he is sovereign and has a plan. Sometimes he answers us with a yes or no, but often he tells us to wait. Oh, I've been praying for a long time for some stuff, and it doesn't seem to be happening. But the Bible says at just the right time, God sent his son. That's what he's going to do. At just the right time, I accepted Jesus into my life. Just the right time. So you never give up. He's going to send them. He always answers. Praying and waiting humble us before God and teach us to rely on his plan instead of our own. Now here's verse 18. Look what it says. Be thankful in all circumstances. Everybody just heard what I said, right? Be thankful in all circumstances. And now I want you to ask me, what's God's will for my life? For this is God's will for you. You want to know God's will for your life? To be thankful in every circumstance. So, let me ask you this. Are you? You want God's will for your life? You've got to be thankful in all circumstances. Everybody wants to, oh, I want God's will for my life. Well, be thankful in all circumstances. When you're getting chastened, when you're getting persecuted, when you're getting blessed, thank you, Jesus. That's the right attitude. Not bitter, better. What are you doing to improve your walk with Jesus? We offer a lot of things here to enhance your walk and supplement your faith. Every Monday, Wednesday, whatever it is, to what? So you can work on yourself to become more like Jesus. That's the whole goal of it. That's why we do what we do. And most people say, I don't need that. I didn't know everybody's already arrived. Even the pastor didn't arrive yet, so he's going to still do it. Thank you. People tell me they don't need it, but I do. Monday is a perpetual thing. It's not go through it once and you're done. You keep doing it and doing it and doing it and peeling layers away till the light finally gets to that hot, dark spot in your heart. It'll never go. Listen, if you don't do that, you're never going to get it. Never. Uh, you could be in church for 30 years and never find it. I offer it. How few people take up on it? I don't need it. The pastor needs it, but the congregation don't. Jesus? Jesus, am I doing something wrong? Really? The pastor's the one doing it. He needs it. He says he needs it, but the people sitting in the pews don't. Oh, I guess you, you know how to handle it better than me. That's the only way that I overcome myself, by doing that work. Finding my character defects. Letting Jesus heal me. Working with somebody to hold me accountable so I can grow. See, here's the problem. Nobody wants to be held accountable so they can be called on it when they do wrong. We called to have recovery partners so we can call each other, get to know each other, so there's no more secrets. Because what is it? You know as well as I do. It's the secrets that you're keeping 
that are keeping you from becoming like Jesus. And you all know it. You all know it. How do I know it? Because I know it. Because I was doing it. Secret sin grows in the darkness and dies in the light of exposure. But you don't want to bring it to the light. No, because I still want to do it. You see, it only comes to the light when you want to stop. When you want to keep doing it, you don't bring it to the light. Because you love your sin more than you, leave, more than you love who? Jesus. That's a fact. You can sit here and try to fool me and fool everybody else. But when you do that, you love your sin more than you love Jesus. Because when you love Jesus, you sacrifice and crucify yourself for him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. First Thessalonians is great, isn't it? Especially the fifth chapter. I couldn't wait to get to this chapter. Because this is what the Bible teaches. This is what the Bible teaches us. And it's not the easy things that make us grow. It's this stuff. It's saying, I need to make some changes. I need to get busy on Monday. I need to get a recovery pod. I need somebody to hold me accountable. Because when I'm not held accountable, the devil gets me. How about a big amen there? Now it says, before we keep going, I'm going to keep going. We're going to finish this chapter. How, how long is this chapter? No, we can't finish it. But where are we? Where did I just finish? I'm around 19, right? Listen. Listen now. Our joy, prayers, and thankfulness should not fluctuate with our circumstances or feelings. Obeying three, these three commands, be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful, often goes against our natural inclinations. When we make a conscious decision to do what God says, However, we will begin to see people in a new perspective. And we will have an easier time being joyful and thankful. Remember, if somebody talks to you or confronts you or something that's God showing you, something that needs to change. We shouldn't get offended. We should get what? Thankful. Thank you for showing me something I don't see in myself. But people get what? Offended. When you try to correct them, say, listen, you're getting private, you're doing something wrong here. You know, miserable. You say, well, wait a minute, I thought we were in recovery. Recovery's bringing to light things that you can't see. And God uses people to do that. Can I get an amen here? Instead of going in seclusion so nobody can say anything. What does it say? Nighttime is when, what, drinkers get drunk and people do evil. Now it says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. We're not stifling them tonight. <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you loud and clear. And I don't want to hear any more excuses from you. Because I teach the truth here. Either you're going to accept it, or you're going to get mad at me for teaching it, saying, oh, he's being so hard. Jesus put his people in exile for 70 years. You think that was easy for him to do? Because they were what? Living sinful. And that's the only way to get in there. Is to what? Put people in pain and turmoil. To get it out of them. 
People run from it because they want to keep doing it. God says, no, no more. He says, I gave you plenty of room to grow and change. You said no. I said if you obey me, I will take care of you. You decided not to. Exile for 70 years. Judgment came. And don't you think judgment won't come to you? It will. The principles in the Bible never change. Listen. No. By warning us not to stifle the Holy Spirit, Paul means that we should not ignore or toss aside the gifts the Holy Spirit gives. Here he mentions prophecy. He mentions speaking in unknown languages. Sometimes spiritual gifts are controversial and they may cause division in the church. Rather than trying to talk about the issues, some Christians prefer to smother the gifts. This impurposes the church. We should not stifle the Holy Spirit's work in anyone's life, but encourage the full expression of his gifts to benefit the whole body of Christ. The Holy Spirit speaks to us by convicting us to do what God wants, warning us to flee temptation, in helping us to discern the truth. Ignoring these inner prompting stifles or quenches the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Not acting on the spiritual gifts in your life or keeping someone else from exercising their gifts can hinder God's work at a particular place and time. Trust the Lord, discern your spiritual gifts, and use them to build up the body of believers around you. Are you doing that? Are you looking for your spiritual gift? What your part of the church is? Are you looking for it? It's not going to come to you without you looking for it. If you look for it, you'll find it. But if you're not looking for it, you'll never get it. Or, oh, I don't know what my gift is. Because, oh, I don't, oh, maybe if I find it, I'll have to sacrifice too much of my time to it. So I don't want to know what it is. Let me tell you something. When you decide to serve the Lord, forget what you want. Forget your time, me time, or this time. It's, it's his time, whatever he wants. And he cuts in right when you want something. Sacrifice. Right when you want to do something, he are called. Now either you answer it or stifle it. How about a big amen there? I got to take care of myself. That's all right. I, I hear him, but I'm, not, I'm busy right now. Look at verse 20. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. How do you stay away from evil? By sitting in the middle of it? No, you stay away from every kind of evil by doing something good. Like serving the church, serving God, finding your spiritual gifts. You can't say, oh, I'm not going to do evil and just sit there. No, evil will find you. You have to replace it with good. Look at verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Now listen, this reference to the spirit, soul, and body 
is not so much about the distinct parts of a person as about the entire being of a person. That's what it means, all of you. Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. So you can't just say, well, I'm reading the Bible, so I'm kept blameless. No, you have to keep it all blameless. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. You can't like, say, oh, I'm, gonna, oh, I'm still going to do evil things with my body, but my, my, my soul is blameless. It doesn't work that way. It's all or nothing. Listen, the Lord loves us and cares about our whole person, soul, mind, and spirit, and body. Paul praised this blessing as an encouragement and a request to God to give us the supernatural ability to stay blameless and holy. God will make, look at verse 24, God will make this happen for he who calls you is, he's faithful. So here's the thing, but do you want that? If you want it, he will give it to you and he will do it for you if you're faithful. There's a condition attached to it. Some people, well, I want my soul in that, but my body is still, hmm, mine. Shut up. It's still mine. I can do what I want with it. No, you can't do what you want with it. Jesus owns your body. It's sacred. Whatever you do with your body when you're not here, whatever you do, you take Jesus with you into it. Remember that next time you think you're doing something dirty. Say, Jesus is with me right now, being dirty. I'm taking my Savior into this dirt I'm doing. That should make you stop. Say, oh my God, how can I do that to Jesus? How can I take him into this filth I'm in? Why do I say that? Because the biggest sin in the church today is pornography and lust that everybody keeps in secret. Why? Why is it, why is it secret? Because it's still powerful and it still has you. And it still has you because you keep it secret is because you still want it. Don't fool yourself or don't fool Jesus. Just remember, you take him into the sexual lust. Your savior, this holy one that never sinned, you take him into that. That ought to change your mind when you're looking to do it. I hope, I hope this gets in you. Say, next time you go do something or look at something, Jesus is right there. His picture comes on first. Then you say, click, I'm almost set. Because look, we're all men, women, all of us fell prey to stuff like this in our lives. So don't think the devil's not going to try to tempt you with it. And don't say that you don't, because he tempts everybody. Women, men, kids, all of us are susceptible to it. So you best understand that God wants your body to be kept blameless. The most important part is to let people see that my body belongs to Jesus, not the devil. Every time you do something like that, you give your body over to who? The devil. And then you come to church and you feel dirty. And that's the worst feeling for a Christian, that dirtiness. Because we know we're being hypocrites. We know we're doing the dirties. We know it. So we come to church miserable because we know we're still doing it and we still want to do it and we come to church thinking like we don't do it. 
Paul said he was the chief sinner, right? You can't fool me. I'm the chief sinner. I've done it all. And I know what goes on inside this mind. If it goes inside my mind, it goes inside all you men, too. I don't know what goes along in women's mind, but I know what goes on in men's minds. So don't think I don't know. I know. Our human heart is wicked and self-serving and selfish. Then you say, when you're ready to do it, what would Jesus do? He would put, do the Bible in the year on instead. That's what he would do instead of clicking on that other thing. How about a big amen there? And if it really is weakness for you, what do you do? Get off it! Or put it in front of somebody they can see you all the time when you're on it. So that you can't do it. Bring it to the... Keeping it in the dark makes it grow. Alright, now look what else it says here. Look at 25. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. Guess what? I just read the letter to all my brothers and sisters. <laughs> May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, do we need a lot of grace? Yes. Do we need a lot of mercy after I just told you all this? Yes. But the whole thing is, what direction do you want to go in? Do you want to keep it? He's not going to give you grace and mercy if you want to do it. He's going to give you grace and mercy to stop. Can I get an amen here? All right. Now, we're not almost done here. One second. For all the Christians to hear this letter, it had to be read in a public meeting. Not enough copies were available to circulate. Paul wanted to make sure that everyone had the opportunity to hear his message because he was answering important questions and offering needing encouragement. So he says he wasn't just in church. He was doing it everywhere. The Thessalonian church was young and they needed help and encouragement. Both the persecution they faced and the temptations of their pagan culture were potential problems for these new Christians, just like our pagan culture is problems for us. That's why my wife's like, we, we go out, I said, I can't wait to get back home. I feel so, I feel so like vulnerable out here. People are crazy everywhere. Every vice, every sin, every, everything's trying to get pulled on and me, driving anywhere you go, everything. It's like, I just want to close the door. I want to come to church. Because it tries to pull out my sin nature. Being out there pulls my sin nature out. It brings it out. So the less time I'm in there, the better off I am. The more time I'm in there, the less I become what? Spiritual. The flesh is just too, too weak. I'm a big amen here. We too have a responsibility to help us in believers. To make sure that they continue in their faith and don't become sidetracked by wrong beliefs or practices. This letter encourages us in holiness and sexual purity, love and service for others, and hope. Remember that you have the blessing of grace, undeserved kindness, and love are yours because you are a child of God. 
Remember that. You all, oh, we're children of God. And he gives us the power to live a holy life. And is that important? Very important. Especially in the day and age we live in now. Amen? Okay, thank you for letting me share that. We're done with First Thessalonians. We're going to close. Dave, you want to come up here and close us? I'm going to watch a video. Thank you, Lord, for this time you give us each week, Lord, to gather together in your house, Lord, and, and hear your word. We're so grateful and thankful for these messages that you give to Pastor, Lord, and for a Pastor who's not afraid to preach those messages exactly the way you intended them to be preached, Lord, regardless if anybody gets offended or convicted, Lord. I just pray that we would be mature enough, Lord, to use those convictions, Lord, not to grow bitter, Lord, but to grow stronger in our walk with you, Lord. And become an example to this broken world as to what it truly means to live a changed life, Lord. Yeah. And Lord, I just pray that you'd watch over the church and our families, Lord. I pray that you lay on our hearts, Lord, and the hearts of those who watch online, Lord, a desire to want to support the church more, Lord, so we can continue to restore your beautiful house, Lord, and pass it, continue to get the truth of your word out there to all who seek it. And I pray all this in your holy, precious name. Amen. 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 All right, thanks, David. Thank all right, we're going to watch your video and close.